Let's turn to Psalm chapter 3 together. Psalm chapter 3. We've been in this psalm for the last several weeks. We're going to be in it for at least another week as well. But let's begin by reading this together and then praying, asking God's blessing on his word. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and I slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Father, we pray your blessing be on your people this morning as we walk through the psalm and the lessons that God has for us here. We pray that you will truly bless our time in your word. We commit it to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I was in high school, I got an invitation to audition for a rock band that needed a new guitar player. And so... Uh, I was so excited and uh, went to the house this audition was in, it's in a basement, went there carrying my guitar and my amp and I walk into the room and my amp was like this big and their amps are like this big, you know, like six feet off the ground and uh, we start to play and their volume was so much more powerful. I had my little amp turned up all the way. I had my cheap little guitar turned up all the way. The only thing you could hear from me was feedback. And I remember saying, why am I getting this feedback? And the guitar player said, because you have cheap pickups. He said, he took his, his amp was turned up about 10 times louder than mine. He walked right up to the amp with his guitar, no feedback. I am like as far away from my amp as possible. I'm still like, woo! And, but you couldn't hear a note I played. You could not hear anything, which is a good thing, because these guys were so much better musicians than I was. I was, out, I was outclassed. I was out of my league. I should not have been there. They knew it. I knew it. And so I'm there, and the only saving grace is they can't hear a thing I'm playing. So I'm just, my fingers, I'm just moving my fingers around, looking like I'm trying to, you know, play along, and I just couldn't wait for the night to be over. I did not belong there. I was outgunned on every level. I kind of wonder if that's a little bit of a description or a picture of the church today in this hour. The power and the volume of everything that goes in the opposite direction of the Bible and the gospel is overwhelming right now. It's powerful. 
the currents of the culture, the trends, the belief systems, the ideologies, the, the, the morals, the everything. It is overwhelmingly powerful. And the volume of it is, is like so, so loud that it seems like it's drowning out the church. Drowning out the church in this hour. We, we feel, I think, often, I'll talk for myself, can feel intimidated to talk about Jesus. And when we do, just going to be honest, when we do talk about Jesus, so often we find it, it's like our words fall flat. There's no receptivity. There's no, they are, okay, thanks. You know, it's almost like we are, there's, there's no sound coming out of the church. In fact, when you read about the church today, it's more likely going to be for all the wrong reasons scandals and misuse of funds and all that kind of stuff rather than lives being transformed by the gospel and communities being impacted by the good news of Jesus Christ. It's far more likely more news coming out about the things we don't want to read about from the church. We're seeing more people walk away. and I, Okay, so this is not going to be a negative message, but I feel like we've got to go there for a moment. We see more people walking away from the faith, at least in America, than coming to the faith right now. Jesus said we would have power to reach into the gates of hell and snatch souls from the, from the very kingdom of Satan, but it feels right now like the enemy is able to, has a more power, more pull, to reach into the kingdom of heaven and pull people away who once walked with him, who once loved him. Moms and dads, the biggest thing we pray for is for our kids to know and love and serve Jesus Christ because that is the one thing that has eternal significance, but how many of us are seeing kids walk away and leave the faith and too often it's maybe the church's fault but nevertheless where's that power to pull them back to see people come to faith to see lives not just you know yeah I came to Jesus nothing's changed but I do believe in Jesus but transformed by the goodness and the power of the gospel where is that power the power that seemed to rest on the early church, we don't, I don't think we're seeing that right now. And in our heart of hearts, church, I think many believers can feel, kind of feel like, I just want to make it through this thing. I just want to get to the other end. I just want to take my amp and go home. My voice isn't being heard. Our voice isn't being heard. We're, many people look at us as irrelevant, outdated. All the power seems to be going any other way. That's exactly where David is as he writes Psalm 3. The inscription of Psalm 3 is David, a Psalm of David written as he's on the run from Absalom. And we've been looking at that over the last several weeks. His son Absalom is leading an insurrection that has everything going for it, has everything on its side. It looks victorious on every single level. David and his men are running for their lives. The numbers against David are overwhelming. He says it. He says many, of, many thousands, many thousands of people have risen up 
against him. And you know what really I think hurts for David is this isn't Philistines. This isn't Moabites. These are his own people. Many thousands, some of the best men, some of the best people of his, of his people have turned against him. The volume of voices speaking against him, lying about him, speaking of his soul is drowning out or threatens to drown out all other voices as they say, many voices say, there is no salvation for him in God. There's no hope. It's over. Believer, we are in a spiritual battle. If you're a Christian, you're in a spiritual battle. Whether you want to be or not, whether you are, you know, uh, uh, like it or not, we are in a spiritual battle. But not against flesh and blood, but against evil forces in the heavenlies. We are fighting a battle, Paul says, and Peter says, and the Bible says. We are in a battle. And the power is real. Their power is real. Peter doesn't say he's like a roaring lion going around seeking souls that he could act like he's going to devour. No, people he can devour. He is devouring. He is destroying. He comes, Jesus said, to rob, kill, and destroy. The power is real. The strategy is real. The lies threaten to drown out our faith, our voice, our Christian good news, our witness. But here's what... Here's what I want us to begin to go up because Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I would add, infinitely greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God in us, the Holy Spirit in us is so much more powerful, so much greater, so much more wonderful than he, the, the, the power of the enemy. That's the power of God with us against the power of Satan. But we are in a fight, and what we're looking at in Psalm 3 are some of the lessons that David brings to the fight. David is a warrior. David and his men will turn around, and they will begin to fight in the natural. But before they do, Psalm 3, I believe, is the spiritual fight that goes on before the natural fight as he fights with God against these enemies, and we can learn some great lessons about it because we are in a spiritual fight the first thing david does we looked at last week is by faith he counters the volume of the voices speaking lies over his soul and into his soul there is no hope for him in god he speaks truth to counter those lies in ver in verse three but you O lord are a shield about me this is truth, my glory and the lifter of my head. God, you have me. You are not going to let me be destroyed. You've got me, and you will bring me to the place of glory and lifting up my head. We have this powerful weapon in truth. And believer, we need to know God's truth from his word. We need to believe God's truth from his word. And we need to speak his truth, the truth of God's word, with love. And that's what we looked at last week. But this, this morning I want to look at the second weapon Paul, or David, pulls out of his arsenal. And that second weapon is found in verse 4. It's prayer. 
Verse 4, I cried aloud to the Lord. I cried aloud to the Lord. David prayed as if his life depended on it because it did. It did. And here's, here's what I, where I feel like the Lord is, is teaching me, church. I mean teaching me because prayer has always been a struggle for me. I mean, I've prayed ever since I became a Christian. But I mean powerful prayer. Like I would rather prep than pray. I would rather do than pray. Can anybody relate to that? I would rather work through, think through, even worry through than pray. Can you, you don't have to raise your hand, but come on. So prayer has not been my strength. Believe it or not, prayer is not the most popular meetings that churches hold. Prayer meetings are not the most well-attended meetings that churches hold. There's a reason for that. We struggle with prayer. Amen? We do. But if the church is experiencing a degree of powerlessness in this day, I am coming to know and believe it's because we have a degree of prayerlessness in the church. We're not praying. We're not praying against the power and currents and, and voices and, and lies and, and destruction of the enemy. We're not praying. I'm speaking generally. You might, but I'm talking my heart. I haven't been. Not the way I think we need to pray. Because all prayers are not equal. And when we do pray, there is a way where we can pray that practically says, I don't want an answer to this prayer. And when we pray in such a way that practically asks for no answer, we get no answer and that demotivates us from even, even more from praying. So we need, brothers and sisters, may God give us a fresh faith to lift our prayers to heaven. A fresh conviction that when God's people pray, God moves, God saves, God transforms, God heals, God does mighty things when his people pray and we see much less of that when God's people don't pray. The great evangelist and preacher Charles Spurgeon writes this, Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of God. And when we, our prayers move God's power. And when we don't pray, God restrains his power, not because God needs our prayers to move, but because God has ordained to respond in accordance with the prayers of his people. So I want us to be practical this morning, and I, want to, I hope this helps you. It's helped me as we seek to become more fervent, more, more powerful, more, more believing in our prayers. I want to share four characteristics of David's prayer life. And remember... This is prayer in the fight. This is prayer about fighting the battle. Those things that weigh on our hearts that we feel are overwhelming us, overwhelming our lives, overwhelming our joy, overwhelming people we love. This is fighting prayer. This is fighting prayer that David prays. And I want to just point out four characteristics of this that we can learn from. The first, the first characteristic of praying for us to learn and apply is this. Pray fervently and when possible, out loud. Pray fervently, and when possible, pray out loud. 
David writes, I cried aloud to the Lord. I cried aloud. I used my voice. I spoke to God. David cried aloud. There was fervency in his prayer because his life literally depended on God answering his prayer. I said earlier, all prayer is not equal. God hears fervent prayers more loudly than he hears emotionless prayers. When I was a young kid, maybe five or six years old, I went through a stage where if somebody asked me if I wanted something, I said, I don't care. Uh, I don't know why I went through that stage, but I did. And so one day we were visiting some people. I don't even know who they were. And the nice lady offered me, a, you know, she had a plate of candy and chocolate and such. And she said, Alan, would you like some candy, some chocolate? And I said, I don't care. And I'm not kidding. I remember it to this day. That's how deeply it affected me. She pulled the plate away and said, well, if you don't care, I'll just put this away. I never got that candy. I don't care. I did care. I remember I still weep at night. When we pray with an I don't care, God, attitude, I think a lot of times God says, if you don't care, then I'm not going to answer. I'll pull the plate away. Charles Spurgeon again put it this way, cold prayers ask for a denial. Cold prayers ask for a denial. When we package our prayers on ice, send them to heaven like Sherry's berries on ice, we're virtually asking God, I don't really care. When we heat those prayers up with fervency, I care, God. I cry aloud. God, would you please answer this prayer? God hears that prayer. The fervency. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails or accomplishes much. The fervent prayer of a righteous man. God does great things when we fervently ask him to. There is a kind of prayer that's crying out to God for an answer. I've often said that prayer is talking to God, and it's true. It is talking to God. But David is not describing a casual ambling conversation with God. God, how's your day going? He's not just ambling through a conversation. He is crying aloud. He is focused. He is fervent. He is asking he is praying for help, and we need to learn to do that. If we want to see the power of God begin to powerfully answer prayers, we got to add some heat, some fervency. If we want to see that loved one saved, if we want to see that person delivered from bondage of drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is. We've got, we've got to pray like their life depends on it because it might well. If we want to see God respond to the need, pray fervently and passionately. We shouldn't pray like, I don't care, God. So this is not, this is just like, However you pray, pray. You are, you know, God made you. You don't have to put on somebody else's personality. But 
if you pray without fervency, if you kind of pray like, dear Lord, you remember those childhood prayers? Thank you, you know, for the food. God is good. God is great. And I, I don't mind those prayers. I, those are good, especially for kids. But typically, I have never heard someone pray that prayer with fervency. You know, God, you are good. God, you are great. Thank you for this food. Is that how it goes? However it goes. It's, it's just kind of a conversation to God. And those are good too. God, man, I'm, you know. But there's a time when we're fighting to pray fervently and ask God for big things. David said, I cried aloud. We don't have to pray out loud for God to hear us. Nehemiah prayed a silent but very passionate prayer when he approached the king and his life was at stake. And the king said, why are you looking sad? It said, before Nehemiah answered the king, he prayed to God. That was a silent prayer. But God answered it in amazing ways. God knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows the silent prayers. But I do want to encourage you, folks. This might stretch you a little bit. I want to encourage you to regularly find a place where you can pray comfortably out loud. There is something about praying out loud that helps to focus our prayers and helps to stoke our prayers with greater fervency. I got a reminder of this the other day. I was driving in my car, had some things weighing on my heart, and I was praying silently, but my prayers were jumbled, distracted, scattered, unfocused. And then, partly because I'm thinking of this, I began to pray out loud. I began to speak to God out loud in the car and pray to him out loud. <clears throat> and my prayers became more focused. They became more fervent, more intense. Before long, I was praying through tears. I was praying with a sense of burden and anguish that I'm lifting to God as tears fall down my cheeks. Praying out loud. In that moment, added fire, it added fervency, it added focus to my prayers. When possible, find time, take a walk, go in the woods, find a quiet room. Do what a friend of mine said he does. He puts earbuds in his ears and then he walks through town talking and people think he's on the phone and he's praying. But pray out loud at times. Second thing is pray short prayers. The prayer that David actually prayed is captured in verse 7. This is his prayer. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. That is, his, that is his prayer. That's the essence of his prayer. Eight words. Eight words. It was a short prayer, but it was heartfelt. And God would answer it powerfully. I want to just encourage you. Prayers don't have to be long to be powerful. The Bible is full of short prayers that are extremely powerful. Again, Nehemiah, why are you sad? Between him answering the king, he prayed. Had to have been a very short prayer, but powerful. Jesus taught us to pray with a prayer that is roughly 66 words long. You could pray it before your meal and your meal wouldn't get cold. It's not a long prayer. 
Habakkuk prays an amazing prayer in chapter 3. It's a prayer we could pray today. He says this in verse 1, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Three sentences long. I've heard of your fame and your mighty deeds. Repeat them in our day. And it goes on in verse 3 to say, And God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from His hand where His power was hidden. That hidden power suddenly wasn't hidden. God came and met Habakkuk in that prayer and revealed His glory. That is a prayer. That's what our world needs to see today, guys. They don't need to see better programs. They don't need to hear more convincing. They need to see the power of God move again. We can pray the prayer God, we know, we've read the book of Acts. We've read about the parting of the Red Sea. We've seen what you can do. Repeat them in our day. Do great works in our day, Lord. Do them now. Come from Temin and make your power and glory known. Not just to us in the church, but to the world that they might see, that they might know, that they might know the, the God who is worthy to be feared. Notice how he says, let in your wrath. This nation could use the fear of God. Because I think a lot of people think if there is a God, he's okay with whatever I do. And the Bible says, no, that's not the case. We could use the fear of God to fall upon hearts. But in the wrath, remember mercy. The gospel is about mercy. We're bringing the mercy of Christ and what God has done in his love to any who will believe in Jesus Christ. It doesn't take long prayers to see powerful answers. Thirdly, I want to encourage us, let's believe God that God answers prayer. David goes on to say, I cried aloud and he answered me from his holy hill. There are two things that heat up our prayers. The first thing is that we want something so badly, we just come to God with, with passion. We come to God with fervency. The other thing is believing that God answers our prayers, that God is a God who answers our prayers. Faith gives wings to our prayers so that they, they fly to heaven. We believe God hears and that he answers. In the book of Acts, we see a group of disciples go from timid, fearful, hiding in a room, to bold, standing up, speaking the truth, seeing and performing miracles, and literally turning the world upside down. And what changed from them being a fearful, hiding, to bold and showing forth the power of God in their day. Well, 
What changed? The immediate answer is they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit, as Jesus said, you will receive power. But that's not the end of the story. Because what happened is they then began to see, and others began to see, the power of God answering prayers, doing awesome things. They saw crippled people walking, blind people hearing. They saw hardened hearts like Saul suddenly being radically changed and loving Jesus Christ. They saw miracles. They saw the power of God. They saw God doing great things. And that began to churn a momentum that God is alive. He is working in this day. They experienced what Habakkuk prayed for. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. Repeat them in our day. As we see God answer prayers, this is why testimonies are important. Because when we hear that God has answered prayers, it encourages our faith to pray for the more. Believing God answers prayer. Faith is a muscle. How strong is our faith? How strong is your faith? It's a muscle. It's a muscle. And, and like every other muscle, if you don't use a muscle... What happens to that muscle? It atrophies. Faith is a muscle. It is a muscle that moves God. Again, we're not into like crazy faith teaching. Not because God has to move, but because God has ordained to save us through faith. To meet us in faith. How many times did Jesus say, your faith has made you well? No, it it, it wasn't their faith alone. It was the power of God. God could have done it without their faith. But God has chosen to operate through faith. Faith is a muscle that calls upon God and, and moves God and his heart to do powerful things. <clears throat> so use that muscle. Start small. Pray for smaller things, but pray fervently. Pray, pray fervently and believe God and Ask God to help build your confidence that God is God, that he answers prayer. We can pray like Habakkuk, repeat, repeat in our day the good works, the power. Let us see. God, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see young people, instead of leaving the, the faith or, or rejecting the faith, I want to see a revival among young people. Amen? I want to see a revival among young people. I want to see them lead the movement of God working in this day. Some of us are old enough to remember a move like that. Young people were getting saved by the hundreds, by the thousands. They were coming to Bible studies by the hundreds and thousands. They were Jesus people movement. And, and God used that. That was the Lord moving. I want to see that again. So pray. Let's pray for God to do great things. Last point I want to share this morning is this. Persevere in prayer. Now, to understand this in David's life is much more complicated, but there's a powerful thread here. You see, David says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. But the immediate answer that David receives from God isn't victory over Absalom's army. It is peace. 
Verse 5, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I survived another night. The Lord answered my prayer. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. That was the immediate answer to David's prayer. The prayer for God to give him victory over his enemies, that would take a little more time because he's writing this psalm while he's on the run. But God gave him peace of heart. God sustained him. God took away the fear in his heart and replaced it with peace. But God didn't immediately answer the direct prayer that David prayed for. That would come later as he persevered in prayer for victory over his enemies. Jesus taught us to persevere in prayer. He taught us that delay is not denial. Don't give up when something you pray for doesn't get answered right away. Don't give up. Persevere in prayer. Again, I want to quote Spurgeon, who wrote, who was a firm believer in prayer and saw God do great things through prayer. He writes this, Sometimes, when we do not receive comfort in our prayers, when we are broken and cast down, that is when we are really wrestling and prevailing in prayer. Some prayers need to be prayed with tears and anguish. Some prayers we leave the place of prayer more burdened than less burdened. We've wrestled and we continue to wrestle and we persevere. So here's the interesting thing about David in Psalm 3. He's going to say, arise, O God. He's going to fight back and God's going to fight for him. And the enemies he's facing will be vanquished. But you know what happens if you read the account? Those enemies are no sooner vanquished, another enemy rises up, Sheba. And David says, he's going to be worse than Absalom. If you read through David's Psalms, he is constantly writing about the enemies. From the time he became king to the time he laid his head down in death, he had enemies. But he prayed and he wrote and he called out to God, against them always enemies always enemies always enemies different enemies because he would have victories but always enemies why does God allow that why not just do away with his enemies and he lives the rest of his life with no enemies because the enemies press David's soul into God sometimes God leaves things in our lives so that it presses us into God it presses us into Christ deeper into him Because ultimately, he doesn't want us to seek answers. He wants us to seek him. He doesn't want us to know just his power. He wants us to know him. Persevere in prayer. I want to ask the band to come back up as we close this morning. My my heart for this is to encourage you, as I believe the Lord is helping me, to grow in our prayer to grow in our prayer life and to ask God to pray for that person that's on our heart, to pray for that need that's in our lives or in the need of a loved one, to pray for that sick person or that that financial gap that needs to be met or the hardened heart or pray for our hearts. There's, There's so much battle going on. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. The goal of that battle is always one thing, to just draw us away from Christ. 
The enemy doesn't care what he draws you to as long as he draws you away from Christ. If your heart's being drawn away from Christ, he's winning. It doesn't matter. You're, oh, I'm becoming a better person. I'm helping more people. If he's drawn us away from Christ, he's winning. We want to pray that God presses us into Christ and then pray for others that God would revive. Prayer is so essential. Powerlessness can only be solved by prayerfulness in the church. Let's pray together. Join your heart with me. Father, we come to you, Lord. We come to you. God, we need your help, Lord. Just as the disciples came to Jesus said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Give our hearts faith to see the power of prayer. Help us to see that prayerlessness will always result in powerlessness. Because the battles we're fighting cannot be fought in the natural. Not until we've prayed. Not until we've Teach us to pray. As we spend a little time worshiping, I want to uh, invite you to, as we sing this song about the goodness of God, and isn't that the beauty of Jesus, how much God loves us? But if there's something weighing on your heart, something troubling you, you know You know the weight. Honestly, the person next to you doesn't know the full weight of it. But you know that weight. It keeps you up at night. It worries you. You cry. Maybe you're trying to solve it in your own strengths, but the more you work, the tireder you get, the more discouraged you get. Maybe you're trying to lift that weight by getting, staying busy, Maybe you're trying to lift that weight by chilling out in front of the TV. Or maybe with a glass of wine or a shopping spree or whatever you do to try to lift the weight. Try casting that weight on the Lord in prayer. Cast your cares on the Lord for He cares for you. Sometimes we pray with faith and excitement. Sometimes we pray through tears. God hears them all. So as we sing this song, I want to invite you to just take your, where you are and turn it into an altar. If you want to come up front and do business with the Lord up front, we'd love to have you. Maybe there's somebody on your heart. They're walking away from the Lord. They don't know the Lord praying for them there. Lift them to God now. Pray that weight to God.